popcorn ready? It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago. It's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hope you enjoyed the long Bears-less weekend. A mini-buy. Adam I like Jones. how they call it a mini buy. It is a mini buy. I feel like, yes, yes, it is, it is. But, like, you still played a game. Still have something to recover from. For us, it feels like a mini buy because we get to watch the other game. Hey, we got one last nice weekend of weather. Oh, come on. We need one more. Th- uh, and I was about to say Thanksgiving. We could use one then, too, but Halloween. Let's go October. You got this. Yeah, it's not happening. That's why we just had this weekend. We, they perfectly timed it up. The mini buy one last weekend of nice weather in Chicago. Take advantage of it. Now it's now it's full on football season. Uh, oh, I, I love football season, but I was hoping one more last round of golf season and good weather without having to wear a pullover or a rain jacket. I'm I'm telling you, you got it. You just missed it. It just happened. Sorry, buddy. Uh, don't make me sad. <laughs> Welcome in. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H O G E, at Adam Johns, J A H N S. Read us at theathletic.com. Read Johns at theathletic.com. A uh, couple guests coming up you can read at theathletic.com. Dan Pompey is going to be on the podcast today. Kevin Fishbane on the pod. You can follow them on Twitter. You can read them at The Athletic. Uh, and we're going to talk to those guys about what they've been writing and uh, what you should check out. You can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Ten Bears things up. Hey, the White Sox fired Rick Renteria. That happened. Who didn't see that coming? I wrote about that, too. You saw that coming. Come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Especially because the GM didn't talk last week. Yeah, poor guy. What, nice what guy. Was he, what was he not talking? What was the week off for? Mini buy. It was a. It was a. It was a mini buy. Buy. Ah, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. All right. We got uh, jokes here at the Hogan Johns podcast. Thanks for coming. Let's see if we can, can keep it up for the uh, for the rest of this thing. All right. Um, where the hell was I? See, now we're off the rails. Just uh, hit the voicemail button. Yeah, we need to get to our voicemails. Uh, please rate and review the podcast. Hopefully you missed us at least a little bit over the weekend. But we're back back in the game week. Hey, tough, tougher than uh, we expected game coming up against the Carolina Panthers here. But we still got to put a bow on what happened last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady forgetting how many downs there were. And, hey, the Bears are actually 4-1. and one. So let's check out your voicemails from last week. What do you have for us? Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan Johns voicemail. The Hogan Johns voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. 
Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Hey boys, Bob Dabrowski going in live from Soldiers Field. Uh, they let me get a special pass because they recognized that uh, they lost last week because, you know, I wasn't there to cheer at the exact right time, at the exact right volume for them to get the W. So here I am. But you know what? I don't think they even need me this week because it's uh, Nick Foles versus Tom Brady. And if history tells us anything, it's that Tom Brady is more nervous of Nick Foles than he is of Bridget uh, Monaghan getting a pregnancy test. Okay, you know, Mr. Brady. Okay, no, no deal. All right, let's go, Bears. Let's do another one, 48 to 7, just like last time. Something close to that. All right, go, Bears. Adam Hogue, Adam Johns, tonight's going to be an embarrassment for Tom Brady. His old ass is going to be exposed on Thursday Night Football. I'm sick of this Allen Robinson bullshit. You want to be paid like a number one receiver? Catch the damn ball. Bear down. Put Mitch in. Now. You know, boys, I'm just getting really, really tired of this same feeling. I don't even know why we get excited to watch the fucking game these days. Every time you get an ounce of excitement in this team, they just lay the biggest fucking egg that you could ever fucking lay on TV. It's a fucking embarrassment to be a fan of this. Hey, hey, ho, ho, this QB Nick Foles has got to go. Hey, hey, ho, ho, this QB Nick Foles has got to go. Foles is nothing but a backup. That is it. He had a dream run. Parky makes the field goal. Maybe it's the Bears. Mitch will play more games than Foles this year. I guarantee it. Yeah, this is a Bears fan down here in uh, Southern California, and I just want to say, I want to look at Nick Foles in the eye, and I want to say, with a cheap, lion, no good, rotten, four plus, no like mixed, dirty, and inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, sickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty lipped, worm headed, sack of monkey sh they are. Hallelujah. Holy sh. Where's the Tylenol? I actually just texted my dad and asked me him why he cursed me to be a Bears fan. my life. Boys, 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 boys. I, I don't know. I, what the hell is different than every other year? Damn shame to be a fan these days. Damn shame. Come on, Bears. Score a point in the third quarter. How'd you like us now? How'd you like us now? Beat Tom Brady at Soldier Field. How'd you like that? BDF. My wife and my kids are asleep, so I can't talk too loud. But bear the f down. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? What a win. Finally, somebody showed some balls on defense. Matt Nagy, I mean, still can't call a damn play, but nonetheless, big win. Big win. Cairo Santos, Carlos Santos, I don't care, boys. Bear down. Well, boys, it's me again. I'm in a better fing mood. I know that. Because big Nick. Say it with me now. Big D. Nick, say it with me now one more time. Big D. Nick, Bears win. Bears win. Bears to the Super Bowl. I got a glimmer of hope. I'll be in next weekend. Let's go. Four and one on the Carolina to beat Teddy Two Gloves. Let's go, boys. Bear down. Big D. Nick, baby. Boys, we got a W Bears down. No doubt about it. Any second, we all knew all the outcome the whole time about a. Uh, Good old Tommy Dementia can count to four at the end of the game. Unbelievable. We got a W and we're four and one, and that is a route to 18 and one. Super Bowl, Super Bears. Oh, thanks for bringing it home, Bob. 
Yeah. I love when the mood swings of a game are reflected in the podcast. Well, for half of that, I was like, the Bears are 4-1, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you could tell when the the, the comeback starts. (laughs) The the voicemail, the, the... the the temperament of the voicemails change in the middle of them as Nick Foles went from being benched by many to being chanted for by one one listener in particular. I I think people have maybe uh, went overboard with the my uh, proclamation that a good bleep is funny. Oh, I mean you still you started got a, it. You asked for it. You, yeah, but I if you listen carefully to what I said, I think I said something like the occasional F bomb or something. You can't overdo it. So just let's 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 save those for like when they're when it's actually funny. That's all I'm trying to say. Oh man, he's critiquing all of you. He's challenging well, you all to be better. He's like Matt Nagy. This, this is Matt yes, Nagy critiquing his offense. He's demanding you to be better at the details. Be better be with better, the details. Be, be you and be better, everybody. Yeah. Well, pe- people who have been listening to this podcast for a long time know what I'm talking about. I feel like the voicemails are starting to take a little dark turn. Let's let's uh, let's uh, let's not go dark. The Bears are 4-1. and one. They've won four out of five games. They're on track to go to the playoffs. They're red in the athletic. They are great chance of getting into the playoffs now 74 percent they went through our friends at 538 they what's the percentage 74 percent chance of making the playoffs okay all right it's always good to have dan pompey on the podcast and as the bears emerge from this mini buy victorious with a victory over their first ever win over tom brady dan pompey joins us to Talk about the Bears' start as well as some other things. What's going on, Dan? Everything is good, guys. Good to be with you today. Good to take a little breather between games, I think, especially for the Bears and some of their banged-up players. Their chance to uh, get Nick Foles in sync a little bit better, maybe with his coaches, his wide receivers, and his linemen, everybody. So it's a good time of year. Dan, before we get to to all these Bears questions that we have, I want to start with your your series that you're writing for The Athletic, and your latest story is on Raheem Morris, the the uh, coach of the – well, interim coach of the oh, – I can't I remember the, – the, the Falcons right now. Just take us into to this man who's now in charge of the Falcons. We all saw the Falcons a couple of years ago. And then why this series on black candidates for, for head coaching jobs in the NFL is so important for you and for us to share – uh, right now, well, Adam uh, Raheem's a real interesting candidate. Um, when I started doing research on, you know, who should I do stories on for this series, uh, a number of people said, "Well, this this guy is really, you know, should be top of your list." And I was a little surprised because he had never even been a coordinator uh, in the last, I think, uh, ten years. I want to say since being fired as head coach of the Bucks. Uh, this year, he was named coordinator for the first time of the Falcons. And then, of course, uh, yesterday we saw him promoted to interim head coach when Dan Quinn was fired. Um, but interesting guy because he was named a head coach at the age of 32 for the Atlanta Falcons. He's 44 now. So a lot has changed uh, from the time he was 32. And uh, that's kind of what I tried to highlight in the story, uh, the differences between the 32-year-old head 
32-year-old head coach and a 44-year-old head coach and candidate and the maturity and the wisdom that he's gained in the years between uh, his Bucks job and, and where he is now. In terms of the series and why I decided to do it, you know, it's clear, I think, to all of us that the NFL has a problem with uh, minority uh, candidates becoming head coaches. And uh started to think about, you know, what the reasons are and uh, what any of us could do about it. And one of the things that struck me is, well, maybe there's not guys being hired as head coaches just because there's a lack of awareness of that. I thought, well, maybe it's all of our responsibilities a little bit to tell their stories a little bit better. And uh, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm highlighting a number of really qualified, exceptional candidates uh, who I've gotten to know and uh, really respect, who I think could be NFL head coaches. The headline of, of Dan's story, if you're scrolling through The Athletic right now, is a dozen years have taught Falcons Raheem Morris perception is everything. You've also had stories on Leslie Frazier. Everybody in Chicago should remember him. And you have another one on Eric Bieniemy. Am I right? Yes, correct. That one uh, was the first in our series, and uh, we're doing one a week. I had, you want me to say something about the enemy? Was that your question? Or <laughs> no, no, it's all right. I, uh, I I completely forgotten that Raheem Morris was still only forty four years old because you forget how young he was when he took over the Bucks. Uh, and and I mean he's still young in his coaching career at this point. He is. He is Adam. You know, I think. Uh, uh, and not only is he young, but you know, I think he's got a youthful exuberance about him, and he's got. Uh, you know, he's one of these guys who's got a lot of energy, kind of like Matt Nagy in that regard, uh, who really, uh, you know, infuses that energy and, and life into everybody around him. And that's one of the great selling points I think he's got going for him is his people skills, his ability to communicate. And, uh, you know, he's got the, the other interesting thing that really makes him uh, rare is that he's got experience on both sides of the football. A couple of years ago, he went to Atlanta as a defensive backs coach ended up moving to the other side of the ball and coaching wide receivers. So he coached uh, Julio Jones and that crew, uh, Mohamed Sanu during the Super Bowl season and uh, did a, did a fantastic job and, uh, you know, really broadened his horizons to understanding the other side of the ball more. And uh, to the point where Kyle Shanahan, when he left Atlanta after that season became head coach of the 49ers, you know, uh, Raheem was the first guy he wanted to hire. But Dan Quinn would not let him out of his deal. Well, I think for the, with good good reason. Um, to, I did have a question about Bienemy because, well, in, in in Chicago we got Matt Nagy and, and Bienemy took his his spot as the offensive coordinator after he left for the, the the Bears job. What did you learn about him? Like, what I feel like he's going to be probably the most popular name out there on the coaching circuit when. Uh, the season does end like what should people know about him now what do you think the buzz will be about him at the end of the season well you know I think the thing that makes him uh, different why his name is discussed so much anytime there's an opening or a potential opening is the fact that he's been interviewed for head coaching jobs seven times and you know he's working for an organization that has been a springboard for head coaches in a position that has been a springboard for head coaches because both uh, Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson preceded him in that offensive coordinator position. And uh, the other thing is, you know, he's had uh, exceptional success. The Chiefs, obviously, you know, are, are uh, if they're not the best offensive team in the league, 
uh, for the last few years, they're, they're certainly right up there. And of course, uh, he's had a hand in the development of Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, in addition to kind of overseeing the whole offense. You know, the interesting thing about him is everyone says, well, he doesn't call plays. And, you know, that's true to a degree. He is involved in play calling, but really the primary play caller is Andy Reid. Um, but I think uh, one of the things that Mahomes stressed to me was that Bienemy uh, is involved in everything offensively. He's in the meetings with Mahomes all week long, the quarterbacks meetings, the offensive meetings. Uh, he, he game plans. Uh, he, you know, on the sidelines, he's talking with Mahomes in between series. Uh, he, he's doing just about everything except being the primary play caller. And, uh, you know, to me, his, his real value to the team extends beyond the strategical because uh, he's one of these guys who's the heartbeat of the team. You know, he's got uh, a great big personality and uh, a lot of uh, life, a big smile that uh, I think, you know, big voice, loud voice you hear all over the practice field and uh, a guy whose presence is really felt. And I think, you know, that's probably one of the things that a lot of people like to see in a head coach. And Dan, you also have a piece coming out this week on Henry Burris, who's on the Bear staff right now. Yeah, I've got a profile on Henry coming out tomorrow. And, uh, you know, as you guys know, a really interesting playing career, having uh, I had a cup of coffee really only in the NFL, uh, played uh, for the Bears for one season, started one game, and then he ended up uh, going to Canada and becoming one of their all-time greats. And now he's back in the league as uh, as an assistant coach, kind of on the lowest rung of the ladder and wanting to work his way up to be a head coach. And uh, he's got a really, really interesting story that uh, I think people will enjoy reading. You know, the, the mystery to me about Henry Burris is, you know, how did this guy end up, you know, he's capable of a lot, obviously, given what he did in the Canadian League. I mean, did things that hardly anyone ever did. And what could have happened if an NFL team had invested in him a little bit and really tried to develop him. Uh, you know, hey, you know, if he had stayed in Chicago, could he have taken the Bears to the Super Bowl in 2007 instead of Rex Grossman? I mean, it, it's a question worth asking without a doubt. Um, you know, could he have done things that people like uh, Jeff Garcia did in the NFL, people like uh, Doug Flutie did in the NFL, two other CFL quarterbacks who came here? Um, you know, it, it's uh, – it's, it's an interesting case study. It's really uh, probably unlike almost any other. Didn't he throw a Hail Mary in that one game with the Bears? Am I remembering that right? He did not throw a touchdown, I can tell you that. He threw okay. four interceptions. He was playing. He, his one start was in the last game of the season, and it was against the, uh, the, the soon-to-be world champion Tampa Bay Bucks, one of the historically great defenses of all time. And the uh, interesting story about that is – uh, he found out he was starting that game as the team was boarding the bus to go to O'Hare Airport. Did not take any reps with the uh, with with the first team all week long. Uh, had not had any reps in practice since training camp. And what happened was Chris Chandler had a concussion the week before. They thought he was okay. He practiced all week. Then on Saturday they said, "Oh, he can't go." <laughs> so. He was thrown thrown to the wolves, and uh, you know he, he he played like it, I guess. <laughs> well, speaking of opportunity and chances, well, Matt Nagy is definitely giving him that by keeping him around in his staff. Uh, they obviously liked 
what he brought as you know he was here for training camp or that condensed version of training camp that that was at at Alice Hall. So Matt Nagy obviously sees something in him. Like my one Henry Burris story is when I was covering the Hawks in 2010 and I was in Calgary, and Henry Burris was just everywhere because they they had the um, blanking on the the cup that they won the Great Cup right the Great Cup yep. yes. And he was just everywhere. He was like a local hero. And I'm like, is this the same Henry Burris that played for the Chicago Bears? And, and sure enough, it, it was. So it's good to see things kind of come almost full circle for him here in the NFL. So st- sticking with these Bears, Dan, um, what was it like for you watching the Bears? You, you've covered this team for a long time. So watching them beat Tom Brady for the first time in Tom Brady's career, what did you think about how that unfolded on Thursday night? Well, I thought, you know, the defense finally played the way that a lot of us thought it was going to play in the previous three games. Uh, you know, that pass rush, I thought, really affected Brady. Uh, in a way, we've rarely seen him affected in his entire career. Uh, but, you know, uh, Khalil Mack had a, a really dominating game, and I think, you know, the back end kind of held up their bargain, end of the bargain for the most part, and made things difficult for him. You know, I still thought Brady was probably going to come back at the end and win it. But what I didn't really account for was the fact that, you know, that, that pass rush had taken a toll on him at that time, I think, really uh, to a great degree. And he wasn't able to be Tom Brady in the, in the waning minutes of the game. Um, you know, offensively, obviously, uh, Bears still are, are sputtering and have a lot of uh, improvement to be done if they're going to be uh, a real contender, but, you know, Hey, you're, you're talking about a team now that's four and one. And, you know, I, I've asked this question to a few people this week. How many teams in the NFL would you say are clearly better than the Chicago bears? There's not many. I mean, you know, you might count them on one hand, maybe there's six, I don't know. You know, we could argue about uh, how many exactly, but there's not a lot that you would say are clearly better. And they're a flawed team. Don't get me wrong. Very flawed team. There's a lot of things wrong with it. But, you know, join the crowd. Every team almost has got flaws at this point. As we can see, there's very few even undefeated teams. And I think it's kind of a raggedy season based on uh, – probably based on, to a degree, what happened in the uh, in the offseason and training camp, preseason, uh, you know, the, the lack of normalcy to it. So, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be an interesting year for the Bears all the way through. Do I expect them to – uh, you know, uh, knock off the Packers and, and the Seahawks or, the, you know, the real powers. And not not in, unless there's something unusual that happens, like a, you know, key injury or something to one of those teams. But I think, uh, you know, they're going to be in the mix. I really believe that. But, Dan, your point's well taken because, you know, I, I do these power rankings every week, and I was having that same thought last night, actually, as I was putting them together this week. Like, there's... I have the Bears 10th, but if you look at the teams that I have ahead of them, like, if they played on Sunday, I'd give the Bears a chance. I'd give them a chance against the Seahawks because their secondary is not great. And you ne- when you have the Bears' defense, if they're going to play like they did at least against Tom Brady, they they have a chance in, in some games. So, I don't know if I am, a like, a Super Bowl believer, but, you know, a one game potentially in a wild card round of the playoffs, even the next round, it you, I don't think you can rule them out. You know, I, I think the other thing about this team, Adam, is that uh, there's room for improvement. You know, I, I think I would kind of be surprised if they didn't improve in some areas if they stayed healthy. You know, I, I think, 
certainly, uh, you know, defensively, uh, they, they did show improvement the other day. And, you know, if they keep playing like that, uh, it's going to be a huge, huge deal. But, you know, offensively, I mean, you know, I, I would expect that the running game should get better unless the offensive line just goes in the tank. Uh, certainly the loss of James Daniels is a big deal, but, um, you know, that should improve. And, and I, I think the special teams should improve. They, special teams really haven't helped them to the degree that they thought it would. And then certainly I think that Nick Foles, you know, should get better. And his, uh, his chemistry with the receivers should get better. The tight ends have the capacity. And we haven't seen Cole Komet do anything yet. I, I mean, and I, and, I, and I can't quite figure that one out. But, um, you know, I think as time goes by, I, I would expect that the Bears are going to get better unless they get injured. With Nick Foles, as you watch him almost take full control when he's at that line of scrimmage, like when you're comparing him with Trubisky, like, is that the number one thing that stands out to you, the, the way he takes command of that line? It, or is it uh, the other end, the, the lack of athleticism, the, the inability to escape pressure when, when it arrives and it attacks him? Like, when you see him and then you think about what Trubisky was earlier this season or even last year, like, where do you see the differences that could be positives and negatives for, for the Bears offense right now? Well, I think those things you brought up certainly are two of them. I think, you know, the other thing is, I mean, I think this guy is a, can be a really accurate passer. He has not been consistently accurate in two games so far. He's been kind of all over the field. But, uh, you know, his history says he's accurate. I mean, and there have been times when he has just put it on a dime, you know, even in these, in these last couple games. So uh, I would expect for that to be a big deal. And what that enables is Matt Nagy to call different types of passes, right? And we've seen that, too. We've seen him try some different things uh, with the passing game with Foles in there, and I would expect that to continue and that to continue continue to get better, you know, as Foles gets the reps in practice and everyone, uh, under, the coaching staff understands what he can do and the wide receivers become familiar and comfortable with uh, his throws. So, you know, I, I think uh, – Again, I, I just see a lot of room for improvement there. I figured out why I thought Henry Burris threw a Hail Mary. December 1st, 2002, he must have been filling in in the game, but the uh, Packers beat the Bears 30-20 to at Lambeau Field, and Henry Burris threw a 45-yard touchdown pass to Marcus Robinson in the final seconds of the game. Okay. That's and what you're thinking of. I just had this vision in my head of Henry Burris throwing like a Hail Mary pass at some point, so I, I I had to dig into it. So Bears legend Henry Burris. I can't wait to read that piece, though, Dan. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's, it was fun to do. All right. Uh, John, is anything else for Dan before we All good, Dan. Thank you, Dan. All right. Always appreciate the time. Good stuff. And we'll see if the Bears can build on this 4-1 and one start. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, Dan. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual men's wear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, 
watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan Johns polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Roan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Roan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Johns, I want want to play a quick game based off of a part of that conversation with Mr. Pompey. Okay. I feel like we need to call him Mr. Pompey. I don't know why. Hall of Famer. That's right. So I mentioned my power rankings, and the Bears finally got a win that I could put them higher. So I got them 10th when they've been kind of middle of the pack the whole time. But exactly what Dan said was what I was thinking about it as I was putting this together. Okay, I got the Colts ahead of them. Would they beat the Colts? Well, they lost to the Colts. But I could see them winning if they played again against Indianapolis. Would they beat the Browns? Like if the Bears played the Browns. They certainly could beat the Browns. The Rams? Well, we're going to find out in two weeks. They're going to play the Rams on Monday Night Football. Maybe they'll give us a better idea of those teams. Could they beat the Bills? Packers? Steelers? Seahawks? We talked about that. I wouldn't rule them out against those teams. I guess the two teams I'd have a hard time envisioning them beating head-to-head would be the Chiefs and the Ravens. Yeah, well, it's just the the surefire power and the quarterback situation, the explosiveness of those two teams. But I, I think in general, if, if if you're viewing where the Bears rank in the league, you know, they're, they're not so much middle of the pack anymore. They're just whatever that tier is above middle of the pack. So what's that? You have them at 10, right? So yeah, 10 to 12? They're in that range, like a four and one start. I don't care how many questions you got about the Bears. When they're four and one, they deserve to be in that type of place in any rankings right now. You know, as, as no matter how much you, you even try to hate them or, or pick them apart, that's where their foreign record puts them in the conversation. Well, look, there's always a lot of parity in the NFL. I, I feel like though there's more this year, and anyone from like maybe the Steelers on down to. Heck, Carolina, who the Bears played this week. Yeah. The, I, I don't think it's a for sure thing that the Bears beat the Panthers. Um, I'm surprised they're underdogs against the Panthers. But, well, they're you know, three-point home favorites, aren't they? That's just the, the almost the standard for being the home team, although there's no home field, field I, advantage. I, yeah, I, I don't know if the Las Vegas That, that spread surprised count. me. I, I feel like... That just shows you that the Bears aren't getting a whole lot of public support because they, to me, the Bears are three point, three points better than the Panthers if you really watch these two teams. But um, hey, maybe a good reason to jump on the uh, 
Chicago Bear. Well, I believe Sweet. three out of the four wins, they weren't favored in those games, were they? Probably. Only favored sure. against the Giants. Uh, let's bring Think in Kevin, Kevin Fishbane. He also writes for The Athletic, which you might know at this point. What's up, Kevin? You guys know what we're doing next week. What's coming back to the show? <sighs> What's coming back to the show? College picks? 30 seconds of Northwestern. <sighs> wasn't it fifty? Was, was it wasn't it fifteen seconds? I doubled it because this is the year. For what? Hard to say. <laughs> Don't even know if they'll be bowl games. <laughs> we, that's a great point. What? What are they? Playing? What are they playing for? I think. I guess at least a Big Ten title. Look, they're Chicago's Big Ten team. Yes, yeah. they are. <laughs> and uh, you know we're gonna have to just get just thirty seconds next week. I'm pumped. I'm pa- night game against Maryland. They announced it. When, when you're Big Ten Network and you, it's your opening Saturday and you get the nighttime slot, is there a better matchup that speaks to the history of the conference, that speaks to how excited you are to play football this fall than Northwestern Maryland? Do you think Johns knew that Maryland was in the Big Ten? <laughs> no, I knew that. I'm just wondering how many people are fast-forwarding the, the podcast right now. <laughs> Even I still forget <laughs> that they're in the Big Ten. Listen, we had a mini-buy. We've had some time to relax. Just uh, th- I thought I'd just remind everyone we got Big Ten football coming up. Do you up. Like, slide in your desk seat? like When you do the Zoom calls, you're usually behind those pictures, but now you're behind your... Let's call that a fern. What is that, a fern behind you? Uh, my wife calls it a flant. A flant. A, f- a fake plant. Okay, behind your fake plant. You've shifted yeah. in your office. Kevin, between two I ferns. I, I would watch that series. That's I better than just, talking Northwestern Maryland. I think I'm just slouching. Oh, okay. I, I, don't, I, don't, I try not to slouch on our Zooms with the, the head football coach. I totally slouch. Bears. I'm slouching right now. I was watching film half the calls today. And what would you learn? Uh, actually, I got a great tease for you that I'm not going to reveal here on the podcast. But tomorrow is when our film review comes out. We're going to ask you about your All-22 in a second here, Kevin. Uh, but J.J. Stankovitz and I have ours come out on Wednesday morning. And I am going to show you a play that probably should have been a touchdown. But for one, I think the word is detail this week. I think that's the word, the, the buzzword of the week. One tiny, tiny detail prevented a touchdown over 50-plus yards in that game against the Bucks. I'm intrigued. I think I know what play you're talking about, though. NBCSportsChicago.com. Uh, you can read that on Wednesday morning. How about that for a tease? That's a good tease. What did you learn about Khalil Mack in your all-22? He's good at football? Yeah. Good football player. I, I guess somebody told me that Pro Football Focus rated it as his worst game this season. Um, That's not a good sign for the guys in Ireland. I, they I had, will you know leave what they, that there. I, I haven't been honest. I, got, I haven't been looking at PFF a whole lot this season, and I did yesterday. And I, they had last week's game as Roquan Smith's worst, uh, the, the game against the Colts. I thought that was his best game. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that is uh, Arif Hassan, who does uh, a great job for us at the Athletic in Players of the Week. It's like extremely thorough, every single position. He asked me about Roquan Smith after the Colts game. I said, ah, 
I don't know. I'm going to rewatch because I had him. I had a, a couple like dings in my in my notes, and then I went back and watched. And you know that Jack Doyle catch on him near the goal line. I, I don't put that a whole lot on Roquan. That was a nice play by Jack Doyle. Could have been offensive pass interference. And I went through. I'm like, oh, he actually had a really good game. Um, and, and it was one of those things you kind of had to rewatch it to remind yourself. But um, that's not why you called Khalil Mack. You know, by watching every play, you can see. Look how often they run away from him. Look how often the throw is quick and away from him. So obviously he's not doing much on those downs. I will say, I thought Tristan Wirfs actually did a better job than you might have thought because of the, the the monster plays Mac made. You know, one of Mac's sacks was against Donovan Smith on the other side. The Bucks left Tristan Wirfs on the island most of that game, uh, and I did think he held his own a, a lot. But you just there's just so many ways that Khalil Mack affects. The offense. I mean, what he he was off the field for a couple plays, came on, and Brady immediately pointed to him, it was just to let everyone, hey, fifty two is back out here. Uh, so you know, doing that exercise, which Johnsy will tell you, I was going to do that even before I knew he was going to have a great game against the Bucks. I was just with the extra time, I wanted to be able to sit there and do that at some point this season. And it's fun. It's fun to see how much attention this guy attracts uh, and how much he's able to wreck a game even if he's not putting the quarterback on his back. How would you describe the difference? Like, could you see the difference when Cleo Mack almost knows he's left one-on-one in that game? Like, where he's, like, all his signs are pointing, oh, my gosh, you're leaving the rookie one-on-one on me, and he just goes, as opposed to, you know, having a, a tight end there or a running back on his side ready, ready and waiting for him. Like, can you see the difference? Like, at least in this game. As you watched every snap from, could you like sense the difference in, in him as he gears up for it? Yeah, I think so. You know, especially because when well, a lot of team, or at least the Bucks did this, where they'd have a tight end, not in line, but kind of in that like near slot, and, and that forces Mac to really widen his alignment, and it, it's going to take him longer to get to the quarterback. When when he doesn't have that there, when there's not a running back on his side. You could you you get to watch the guy's just pure strength and speed. I mean, I I think he is just such an incredible combination of that. Uh, when I think of Von Miller, I think so much more of his speed coming off the edge. But I feel like Cleo Mack does have a really good blend of both. I mean, obviously Von Miller can do both easily, but um, yeah, you can see it. This is Worf's actually I thought had an okay game. Um, you know, there were times that he contained him, but I, I thought it was so important. And I know you guys will talk about this Thursday heading to Carolina that they got to Brady as much as they did because the Bucks came in as the fourth best team in the league in preventing sacks. And the Panthers are doing a really good job. You know, Atlanta had zero sacks against Teddy Bridgewater last week. And I just got, and I asked Cleo back about this uh, a week or two ago, how frustrating must it be for a guy like him when you face these quarterbacks who are not mobile at all and you just can't lay a hand on them? because they're so good at getting rid of the ball quickly um, and, and just keeping everything away from you. So you know the Bucks' game plan was do not let Khalil Mack wreck the game. And he still you know, he still found a way to do so. Yeah, but leaving a rookie one-on-one against him is an interesting way to not let him wreck the game. But I, I we talked to Ted Monachino today, it, it, the, the Bears' uh, outside linebackers coach slash special teams czar assistant whatever his title is he simplified it perfectly i love what he said he said i mean basically what they're trying to do is we're, we're trying to create as many one-on-one situations as we can for khalil Mack. so that has to do with personnel like we talked about a ton last year keem hicks needs to be on the field um 
you know, it just create those opportunities. And then once you're in those opportunities where it's one-on-one, you got to make sure he holds on the football long enough so you can get to him. So also the coverage from Thursday, got to got to give the props to the secondary and linebackers and coverage, whoever it was on any given play, uh, because you know Tom Brady's not a dummy. If if he, he knows his his rookie right tackle, who, yes, is playing well and has had a good season, is one-on-one against Khalil Mack. It's right in front of him. It's not his blind side. It's in front of him. Then he knows he's got to get rid of the ball quickly. But if he can't, well, then he's kind of screwed and – Anyway, the formula worked, at least for this game. The difference this week with Teddy Bridgewater is Teddy Bridgewater is much more mobile. Yeah, and I will say, if you're looking for some kind of optimism for the pass rush, too, it was Robert Quinn's best game. You know, Yeah, he didn't have the strip sack like he had in his first game. I think he was only in the box score for the fumble recovery. He literally did not have a tackle. Uh, he should have had a quarterback hit, I thought. Um or earlier in the uh, trying to remember which which play in the game, but he should have had. Oh, it was Akeem Hicks knocked down a pass and Quinn hit Brady. But uh, next gen stats had Quinn was closer to Brady than any pass rusher in the league this season. Uh, so he was you could see he's getting there. He gets more rest this week. You know, maybe he's starting to, you know, they, they kept saying, you know, ramp up. Maybe he's getting in better position. That also is going to help Cleo back as well. That's like actual. I- tracing too that's the using the trackers on their right in the pads yeah yeah uh also effective you know if uh one of them had covid then you could track who was closest to him on the field during the game also true also true this may i'm just it could happen i'm just just you know robert quinn's been he's been criticized i don't know if it's been unfair because he is getting paid a lot of money and you want to see him you know, bring down Tom Brady. I do think there is a difference between sacks and, and pressures. And the, I, I, I thought he had a good game. Like watching it live from Soldier Field, I'm like, oh, Robert Quinn got off the ball fast. Like I made note of that several times to sort of see that next gen stat come up after the game. Like it feels good. It makes you validate what you're seeing in a sense. And, um, he hasn't been awful. He he's getting better, and I think people forget how much that works in tandem with the other side, right? So, Robert Quinn, you know, forces Tom Brady to step up, and Cleo Max, who's taking a different angle on his in his route to the quarterback, is able to make those sacks. So, I think you're seeing the Bears' investment in both those guys starting to pay off a little bit more. Did you just go full Edison Park and call him Cleo Max? Cleo Max, did I? I think you did. Cleo Max, like yeah. Max in Park Ridge? Well, just, yeah. Cleo Max? Just adding the unnecessary S to the end of it. Trubinsky? Know, like, like Bob Dabrowski would. <laughs> Cleo Max I, I think you sense. did. We have to go back okay. and listen to the tape. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can I like move no, on? No, don't like, apologize. I love, okay. I love it. I love it. Yes, go on. The, DVOA. Okay. I love DVOA. Anyway, 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 guys. Did you guys see that stat from Football Outsiders? I believe... Adam's colleague, Cam Ellis, uh, did something on this at NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, it's about the the uh, worst teams with – or the, the worst 4-1 teams with DVOA. And since – let me just read this for you guys. Here are the worst 4-1 teams in DVOA history. Why are you guys laughing at me? <laughs> I'm losing my mind here. I don't know. You can't. You I can't, can't talk read. <laughs> you couldn't remember who Raheem Morris coached 
<laughs> earlier in the podcast. Yeah, we might have to re-record that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Yes, DVOA. So if you're, if, if you're listening now and you're like, oh, I thought Adam got that question in really well earlier, it's because we re-recorded it. <laughs> we may have anyway. had to record a question because Adam Johns could not remember who Raheem Morris coaches <laughs> currently. He got the job literally yesterday. He is the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He is now in charge coach. of the Falcons. I wanted to say Bucks, but that was part of the dance story. Anyway, my podcast partner, Plus Fish Man, here are the worst 401 teams in DVOA history since 1985. Good year for the Bears. Wait, the worst four, yeah, first four and one teams. What was that? Forced four and one or worst four and one? <laughs> Jesus. Worst and you guys five. don't want my Northwestern 30 seconds. Can't even get through we one stat. We can't even get to the stat. Let's get to the college football picks. No, I hate that sound. Oh, man. All right, this isn't necessarily bad news for Chicago. Most of these teams ended up making the playoffs, and some, the Atlanta Falcons in 1995 and 1988, improved significantly after their slow starts. So the Bears' 4-1 record with a DVOA of minus 7.2 puts them as having the worst DVOA. That's an advanced stat from Football Outsiders. Uh, second worst of all time since 1985, I should say. Here we go again. <laughs> anyway, the only team with the worst DVOA is the 2010 Bears, who have started 4-1. and one. There's but a lot there. <laughs> one of those teams was the the Bears and if the team that went to the NFC Championship. I just said that. Yes, I just lost. said that. Yes. Well, it's just important. <laughs> it's important to... Uh, oh, Jesus... Blame me for not making sense of what the hell you just read for two minutes. The point is, they could still be a good, uh, I don't know, good team. But look, they lost Jay Cutler in that game, and then Caleb Haney came in. I don't know if a DVOA accounted for the Bears' backup quarterback, probably in some way. I also, you know what, I, I, I think the point is that it, it, it just is some, it's some analytics behind, I think, what we're all seeing with our eyes. The Bears yes. are 4-1, and one, but... It's not a very impressive four and one. You you could say the same thing about the Vikings, who I think in uh, this the same uh, story was pointed out that the Vikings right now are one of the best one in four teams that have ever existed according to DVOA. And you watch their games, and I've been saying this all season. I think they're going to turn a corner and be better as the season goes along because I don't think that roster is awful. And like you saw the other night, they probably should have beat Seattle. We can see that with our eyes. It's kind of nice to have some analytics behind it, too. Well, I just like what you said there. Would you rather be the worst 4-1 team or the best 1-4 team? I think you definitely take being the worst 4-1 team with the, the hope of getting better, with the plan of getting better, than starting off your season in 1-4, which in some cases can be a, an impossible hole to climb out of, especially... You know, when you're not the best team in your division because you get the Packers and you get the Bears starting off 4-1. and one. So I think everybody should take the 4-1 and one record of the Bears, keep certain things in context, but also celebrate that they are 4-1 and one, and it's a lot better than being 1-4 and four, and being that best in 1-4 team like the Vikings currently are. It, that, that wasn't like an actual question somebody wanted to know, right? I would, I'd, be, I'd rather be the worst 4-1 worst one team in the history of football and the yeah. greatest one in four. But, you know, listen, I know a, a, a fantastic NFL head coach who liked to say, you are what your record says you are. 
John Fox. He said that? Probably. That doesn't um, sound like him. And uh, Carlos Santos. Yeah, that sounds more like him. Yeah, I, I think, you know, look, it's just it's just some basic math. You know, John Z, you, you mentioned it in your story the other day about 538's playoff projections. We'll get football outsiders updated ones on Wednesday. Um, but you know, I, I people coming at me because I, I mentioned the Bears have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. They're four and one. All they have to do is finish five and six the rest of the way, and they're nine and seven, probably getting that extra wild card spot. Like you'd think this team could finish five and six. I mean, this is the Bears, so you never know. But I, I just like you're look, you're four and one. Yeah, it matters how you got there because you have to figure out what you got to fix moving forward. But all that matters when it comes to mathematically how you're going to get there, you're four and one, so you're you're in pretty good shape. Actually, I think those odds are out. Uh... I have no idea how to read this, though. Did football oh. outsiders just ignore uh, Tuesday night football? <laughs> Tuesday game, yeah. Yeah. So their mean wins is still nine, but like you said, that probably gets them in the playoffs. So anyway, their percent change looks like it's up 9.6%. To I your point, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, well, I'm five, not gonna, Let me clarify. They, they have a great chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, this, has them at, this has them as a 61.6% per, 61. chance to make the playoffs. It's, I would consider that pretty good. But also, this is football, them at yeah. and this is football outsiders, which is using their DVOA metric right. to pr- to present these. And obviously, based on their efficiency, which I think is a very good you know way to judge a team, it, you know the Bears aren't very good. So of course, that number is going to be a little lower than maybe you would think for a four one team. But I think, listen, I think if we were all talking before the season, if we said that at this point the Bears would have a sixty one point six percent chance to make the playoffs. I'd say, yeah, I think they would take that gladly. All right, well, another thing I've been tracking with uh, Football Outsiders is their offensive line rankings and the analytics they put into this, and the Bears dropped to number 12 overall. Uh, As an O-line, they were, what was the highest? They were like fifth maybe a couple weeks ago, so they've been been falling a little bit here. Um, Their pass protection's down to 12 as well, and they lost James Daniels. So... Right now, to me, and I wrote about this in my 10 Bears things this week, I, I think that this is the biggest concern with the team the rest of the season. Um, I think it's completely fair to point out they played two really good fronts the last two weeks, uh, and that's probably why they didn't run the ball as well as they did early in the season. But I still think they got a lot to prove in that area. And James Daniels was coming along and was one of their best offensive linemen, if not the best through the first uh, five weeks of the season before he got hurt. So I, I think it's a major concern going forward. I'm just not sure how high that ceiling is, how, how high the ceiling truly is for these guys. And, and I like Juan Castillo. I definitely think he's brought a different spunk and personality to that room. And I think it's very tangible just through our conversations with him and everything that his his players say about him. And, I think they can get better, but I'm just not sure how much better. Like, well, I think them being 12th is actually pretty darn good for some of their failures the past couple weeks. Well, and I should point out, they finished last season 29th. So yes. that, that's yeah. a, that is a huge improvement, but a lot of that's based on what we saw the first three games, and the last two games have been a little bit more concerning, and now James Daniels is out. I think this is the week, too, because the Panthers – Dead last in the league in sacks per pass attempt. The Panthers, 31st in the league in yards per carry allowed. 
So if you can't run the ball well against Carolina, if you give a bunch of quarterback hits and sacks to Carolina, I think you got some serious problems and you're not able to say anymore, well, it was just Indianapolis and Tampa Bay. Then you got then you got issues that you have to work through. But you know, look, this is going to be this we know the individual in the offensive line. Cody Whitehair, I think, is a good player. I think he's an above average player at his position. He's probably the only one in the offensive line you can say that about right now. This is some term being better than your average NFL player. So this is a team that if their offensive line is going to look good, it's going to count on, you know, good play calling, good quarterback play, um, you know, gain a rhythm with, with your run game and find, you know, allowing these guys to, to create some holes in David Montgomery getting yards. Cause you just can't bank on these guys winning one-on-one matchups, um, you know, at, at a very favorable rate, because it's just, this is, this is your talent. This is who you have and you're not, and you're not upgrading it. As as Juan Castillo was inviting Dan Weeder to to dinner or lunch today over Zoom, you know he did make a point through all that, just in terms of how the quarterback with getting the ball out quick, like we just talked about with Tom Brady, how receivers with getting open quick and running those routes on time, like what they do for an offensive line, especially when you're facing better defensive fronts, because everybody always talks about like matchups, and you know that always applies to like cornerbacks. And receivers and stuff like that, but like the the offensive defensive line matchups, like those for the past couple weeks, have favored the opposition for the Bears. So that's where you need Nick Foles to get that ball out quick. That's where you need an Allen Robinson to win his one on one matchups as quickly as possible. So while Dan is having lunch with Juan Castillo, you know, that's a, a point that I think everybody should take in consideration when you know at least looking at the struggles of Cody Whitehair and his, and his crew the past couple of weeks. I think it was technically dinner, and uh, I, it sounded like Juan already put it on the calendar for March. Nice. Nice. So hopefully Steaks. hopefully Steaks. it's safe, safe to do that, actually. We're probably not going to the combine, are we? No. Am I, am I getting way too Hell ahead of no. ourselves here? No yeah. way. We're definitely not going to the combine. I know I've brought this up before and probably multiple times. I'm still amazed that the Combine was not a super spreader event. And did you see that Wall Street Journal story last week that basically proved that the coronavirus was here what, like before the Combine even happened? Like, well, early February was already spreading. I'm still amazed that we somehow survived Indy. Do I mean, I'm know? amazed we survived Indy every year. But do you, especially with a pandemic going on, that at that point we didn't even really know what was happening, even though we did. And you know, long story. See, this is why it's important to work with a guy like Kevin Fishbane because we didn't know we were in the middle of a pandemic at that time. But this man has always carried around, carried around hand sanitizer, and I can't tell you how many times I turned it to him after even like being out, meeting and greeting people around the league, right? Where you're fist bumping and handshaking guys, and- left and right, sharing beers and whatnot. Where I, hey, Kev. A little hand sanitizer. And he had it ready. That's what a good teammate does, Adam. I don't know what you did out there, but that's what a good teammate does. I can't speak for John Z. I wasn't actually sharing beers with anybody. I was drinking my own beer. You know what I mean is you order around your beers and you hand them out. Listen, I told you guys uh, we talked about this in, I think, in like April. And it's pretty depressing that we're still, you know, we're six months later and this is still what it is. Um, but yeah, I was I was extra vigilant in Indianapolis by washing my hands. And it, it, in the middle of my week there, my wife called me and she said, hey, when you get home, we're going to Costco. We're loading up because I think we're going to be stuck in the house for a long time. So she was on it. So you're the one who took all the toilet paper. <laughs> they were already out. We went to Costco that Saturday. They were gone. 
they were out of they were out of toilet paper. Just classic. Yeah. Those classic North those North Shore <laughs> families, they're the ones that took all the toilet paper. They're mountains of toilet paper. I knew it. All right. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Pandemic, bears, otherwise. Well, no other positive tests for the bears so far, right? No news of that at three thirteen on a Tuesday. So it should be practice full go for the rest of the week. That was a scare. They survived, it sounds like. Cross your fingers. Um, but really, at any given moment, it seems like we could wake up to three Adam Schefter tweets about uh, three different teams testing positive for whatever. You know what's weird? I, I don't know that we've ever recorded a podcast on a Tuesday, and there's a football game about to start soon. And The Bachelorette. Oh, God. Okay. Podcast over. Yeah, we're done. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H O G E, at Adam Johns, J A H N S. For all everything you need on The Bachelorette, you can uh, follow Kevin Fishbane at K Fishbane. There is a Chicago Bears tie to this season of The Bachelorette. Oh, my God. Yeah. It- Jay Cutler? There, there is uh, one of the contestants uh, spent some time in a Bears training camp years ago. One of the con- oh man, is it Fendi Anabon? <laughs> no, but you're right side of the football. Is Harvey Younger back? <laughs> Daniel Braverman. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure the. Fishman will break it all down for you on the athletic. Does the athletic cover the Bachelorette yet? We've had Apparently. we we actually we do have a, an athletic fantasy bachelor bachelorette league that I'm I participate in. Okay, and um, yeah, you know there could we we actually had a, a story about the tie-ins between the NFL and the the franchise, the Bachelor, uh, during uh, sometime in May or June that I helped uh, helped out with. And here, this is another tie-in. Former Bear is going to be a very, uh, from what I uh, understand, a, a pretty uh, important character contestant on this season. Who is it? I mean, you really nobody here. Well, actually, I might as well say. Well, I mean, it's not. It's, yeah, nobody it's listening is gonna is gonna. Yeah, let's what, see you if you guys remember some story. No, nah, let's see if you guys remember him, Dale Moss, the wide receiver. Wide receiver. No. Dale Moss, uh, he was with the Bears. Oh, maybe it wasn't training camp. Uh, no, he was in camp and in the practice squad. So between 2012, 2013, uh, and then he was with the team in camp in 2014. What? Uh, yeah, never on the active roster with the Bears, but he was uh, a mem- he he was a member of the of the team. He's in the you know, he'll be a important character on the Bachelorette. Uh, probably not. All right. Go to the. This is that's why you subscribe to the Athletic, right there for that. No, for many other reasons, like Dan Pompey's amazing series on African American coaches. <laughs> Go check that out. Uh, read my nonsense at NBCSportsChicago.com, and uh, I'll have that play that I teased earlier in the podcast. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review the podcast. Uh, don't don't bring us down the four stars just because. Kevin talked about the best rep for five minutes. It, it, actually, make it six stars. Just you know, sometimes sometimes we screw up like that. It's okay. Hey, my bachelorette talk did not take as long as it took He's Johnsy to say DVOA. Talking. That's a, <laughs> that's also true. Touche. <laughs> that is a great way to end the podcast. We'll talk to you on Thursday. See ya. Buy some penis and cracker jack.